It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 3rd of April. Why are the Jazz a 98% chance to make the playoffs? We'll try to explain why and get excited about it. Dante Exum's influence, corner three offense and defense, and a time machine Tuesday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. But bum 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 Wow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, Jazz and the Lakers today, which is always fun. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look behind the curtain. At least a little bit. All right, let's, a um, bunch of things to talk about today. We'll start it off with the Jazz, look at the Jazz Lakers, then we'll uh, look at why we have such a good chance to make the playoffs, even though it's as tight as it is. Uh, at least trying to make some sense of that. I want to dig in a little Dante Exum. I want to talk about the Jazz shooting and shooting defense, uh, which I find fascinating. And then uh, from there, let's uh, do our Time Machine Tuesday and uh, all of that. Sound good? Today's show is brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Who else has done the Grip6 Belt thing? I've done it. I love it. I'm fired up about it. Uh, Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. And brought to you today by our friends over at Intercap Lending. Glad to, excuse me, brought to you by the Advocates. Brought to you by the Advocates. We like the Intercap Lending too, but brought to you by the Advocates. Matt and the crew over there doing great work helping people out. All right, let's get to the Lakers quickly. They're 33 and 43. Uh, they're 23rd ranked offensively. They're the 12th ranked defensive team in the league. What is unique to the Lakers is how fast they're playing. So when you look at this game tonight, it is all about whether the Jazz can slow them down at all. Julius Randle has been just great recently. He's averaging 22 points and 10 rebounds a game, uh, shooting 48 or 56%. He's actually hitting some of his threes as well, the few that he's taking. And uh, that is open there. It's perfect for him. He rebounds, he goes, he plays fast. And and that's what you've got to slow down. I do not think we're seeing Brandon Ingram, who's in the concussion protocol. I do not believe we're seeing Lonzo Ball um, at this point. So they're a little limited in who they are uh, personnel-wise. It's Randall. Kuzma's having the great year. Kyle, over the last 10 games, averaging 21 points and 8 rebounds a game, uh, really stepping it up. Recently, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is at 14 points and uh, five rebounds a game. They're they're playing kind of without a point guard with, with Lonzo Ball out, uh, and they're playing it uh, very, very fast tempo. They're playing over 100 possessions a game. They're the number one pace of play team in the league in contrast to kind of where we are, which is on the lower five. We're faster this year than we have been in years past, and Dante is certainly uh, changing that a little bit. But that's the... the you know, this is a game we should win. They uh, were at home. We haven't always done that recently uh, against, uh, though I think we probably have to re-visit uh, the Boston loss now that Boston keeps winning. Uh, but worth keeping an eye on, they, they have had some really good offensive games recently. So against Milwaukee, they had their 15th best offensive game of the year. Against the Pelicans, they had their 11th best offensive game. They've also had some duds. They were they played a really, really bad 
offense game against Sacramento in their last one out. Um, and instead they defended well uh, and, and lost that game by one, even though they actually had the better offensive rating and the better defensive rating uh, in that game. So worth worth keeping on. They're not shooting the three great. Their last four games, they've shot below 30% from three in all of those games, and they're not rebounding at any particularly great level. Um, actually, I take that back. Offensive rebounding has been kind of their saving grace, and that's where we'll have to be really good, particularly when we go small. And defensive rebounding, they're pretty solid, uh, su- surprisingly so for the personnel, but that's a lot of Randall. Uh, so there's nothing too tricky about who they are other than the tempo that they'd like to play with, uh, getting it up and down, playing as fast as they can. They've slowed down a little bit over the last stretch as they either balls injury, I'd have to find out, um, maybe talk to Luke today, but in six of their last eight games, they've been below 100 possessions in, in per game. And so they've been a little bit slower than they've wanted to be. And when they're at their best is when, when they're running. All right, why, if you go to 538, is the Jazz uh, playoff possibility so high? A little bit of it is that a lot of teams are going to start playing each other here, which is a great benefit to us. Uh, and, and we're not necessarily – we have that Clipper game that is vital coming up on Thursday night. Tickets are available at utahjazz.com uh, for that one. But right now our win probability to make the playoffs is at 98%. Or a possibility. Uh, 538 projects us to tie with the Thunder at 47. We would lose that tiebreaker. And then we would slide to six and play the Blazers. Which, uh, a week in Portland's not the worst thing ever. But here's what's interesting. Denver plays Minnesota twice. Denver plays the Clippers. The Clippers play the Pelicans. That's, that's a lot of what we have here in the final stretch. Is that there's these games that's gonna, they're gonna go our way. So I was trying to, puzzle out like what's our worst our worst case scenario is that they go one direction so let's say our worst case scenario is denver at 35 losses worth 33 gets red hot so denver beats minnesota denver beats the clippers denver beats minnesota again and because the and the pelicans beat the clippers in that setup Then Minnesota's at 36 losses. The Clippers are done at 38. Denver, if they're hot and kind of win out, which is, 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 you know, kind of the scenario I just built right there, they'd also have to beat, um, the Pacers tonight and the Blazers, which they probably at home in a ball game. But if Denver, so Denver then would be at 35. So we would, but then Minnesota's at 36. So we'd have to just win three of our remaining five under that scenario. Uh, and beating the Lakers twice won't be easy, but getting the Warriors and Blazers late, you know, who knows what they're playing. So that, that the Denver Denver gets crazy hot scenario, we have to win. Still, we have to get uh, three of our five to prevent. The Clippers would finish at 37 pending. They didn't lose another game, so they'd probably be at 38. Minnesota would be at 36, assuming uh, that they beat the Lakers in the on a back end of a back to back, which may not be the easiest thing ever, they could slide to thirty seven. Then you just have to get to thirty six. You have to win two of your final games to get in. Okay, that seems the everyone just kind of um, fl- the Minnesota the Denver falls apart scenario. Minnesota sitting at thirty four. Minnesota beats Denver. They beat the Lakers. They beat Memphis. They beat Denver. They win out. They hold at thirty four. But in that scenario, Denver falls to thirty eight losses. And the Clippers are sitting at 36, and 
And so you'd have to, if we beat the Clippers, they go to 37. You now have a four-game window to get in. So that's that's why you're at 90-whatever percent. And even um, even if you don't beat the Clippers in that game, then you've, you've got still a two-game window in there. You, you'd like to beat the Clippers in this game. That's kind of a big one. Uh, the home teams win every scenario. So Denver beats Minnesota. The Clippers beat Denver. The Clippers beat the Pelicans. And Minnesota beats Denver, which is kind of the, the mishmash of all of it. Uh, if we beat the Clippers, it's a, which is an if, but Denver would be at 37. The Clippers would be at 37 in that scenario. Um, and the Clippers have some other tough games as well. They play San Antonio tonight, um, and they close against the Lakers. But, you know, uh, they, they would finish at 37 unless we go with the Clippers, get red hot theory, and, and they beat us, and they get 36, and then it gets a little tight, but then Denver's at 37. So my point on this is that you kind of walk this through, and because they're all playing each other, the iterations of it mean that, you know, we, we've got to go get three of our next five to get in, and, and there's our scenarios where we're getting two of our next five. I, I think at this point we're hoping to get the 60. That's that's where we are in this, in this playoff picture. Um, and if we get three of our next five, we get 47, kind of like I've talked about this whole time. Uh, it may turn out you only need 46 the way this is playing out there. Obviously, there's been some fatigue that's taking place here as the Clippers have lost their last two. The Pel- Oklahoma City um, has lost their has lost two of their last three. The Pelicans, or three of their last four. The Pelicans have suddenly lost four in a row. There's seem, you know, the Pelicans really got jobbed. The Pelicans played five games in six nights and haven't won since. The Pelicans really got jobbed uh, with that that night in which their uh, where their schedule their their roof leaked killed them killed them. By the way, just to update our charts on how we looked at it. Eighty percent or better win games were t- the teams are twenty one and two. Uh, games in which they had a sixty to eighty percent. The uh, teams have won 70%. So as teams have fallen back now, they're kind of falling into line with some of these numbers. The Pick'em games are at 500. And the unlikely wins are at 45%. So that's now the only one other than uh, that's that's up above and the no chances are at zero. Uh, So as we've kind of watched this model play out since the All-Star break, teams have fatigued here in the final stretch and are starting to lose games they didn't used weren't losing earlier in this rush. I, I, I think there's a tremendous fatigue factor uh, that's taking place right now in this. I want to uh, we'll talk about Dante Exum, his impact on the team, and then some, some money ball, corner three kind of fun stuff uh, for everybody. Grip Six Belts is a local Utah company. It's a really, really cool story. So Grip Six reached out to me, Keenan reached out to me, and I have two Grip 6 belts, and, and they're great. Anthony Irwin of Locked on Lakers got them, loves it. Uh, a bunch of guys that are a little heavier than some heavier set have, have gotten back to me and said that the Grip 6 belt has been fabulous. So what's unique about Grip 6? They're the only belt with no holes and no belt flap hanging out. It's a low-profile, ultra-lightweight. A bunch of people have commented to me that they really like how light it is. I actually got it for one of our scouts. Uh, the buckles and straps are interchangeable, so you can customize how you wear it. So, in other words, you get the black belt or the white belt for golf, and you can change in different buckles. They, they, 
they hook in underneath into a patented locking mechanism that holds tight all day and never slips. The buckle actually is aircraft-grade aluminum um, and has great colors to it. Go to Grip6.com, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Use the promo code LOCKED, and you get 20% off, which is really cool because it's a great deal. It's a, it's a super story. BJ Minson is the owner and inventor of Grip6. They manufacture all their belts here in the U.S., and they their goal literally was to produce the best belt ever. There's a new kids' line, a new women's line as well. Uh, check it out. It is really cool. Grip6.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. My buddy over there, Blake, and the crew. Hyundai's got great stuff going on. Uh, I did not know a lot about Hyundai. Uh, in fact, I knew nothing about Hyundai. And I got a call to come meet with the Murdochs. And it was really interesting because, I, frankly, I didn't know the Murdochs and I didn't know Hyundai. I was pretty nervous about uh, getting this, kind of having this this interaction when I went and met with them, the first thing that jumped out at me was how solid the Murdoch family was, how much pride uh, they have in what they're doing as a family and how they're impacting the community. So that was, that was the first thing that jumped out to me when I, when I met with the Murdochs, was who they were as people. The next thing was getting to know Blake a little bit, understanding his background, really become, uh, kind of know him well. The second thing that jumped out to me was the Hyundai brand. You get so much value for what you're spending, and you get the 100,000-mile assurance guarantee. That's what jumps out to me in regards to Hyundai is here's this brand I didn't know a lot about, and I get so much value for the dollar, and I've loved driving the Santa Fe. I love driving the Ionic, the hybrid. If you're looking for getting a hybrid for the summer, uh, do not just go get your Prius. Go go and check out the Ionic. Uh, I'm driving the Sonata right now. It's just a nice sedan, almost like a, my daughter always says, like this is like a luxury car. And they've got the new Kona, which I have not got to drive yet, but it's the new smaller SUV. Looks really sporty and really cool. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai at 46, 46 South State Street. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's take a look at Dante Exum. Okay, he's been terrific. Uh, The Jazz with Dante Exum on the floor now are plus 17 per 100 possessions. The sample size is small, but it's pretty exciting. Remember, uh, and the reason I really want to do this is when he first 
started playing, it just it absolutely screwed up the entire offense. We couldn't score with him on the floor. And I wasn't saying I was just pointing it out, not to say like Dante's ruining anything, but that's just kind of what we assumed was probably gonna happen uh when when Dante came back, and that's exactly kind of what did happen. Now what's really cool is the impact he's having. So let's walk through a little bit of the impact. First of all, the team's shooting 49% when he's on the floor and 46% when he's off. So, uh, and basically the team shoots 46%. They shoot 49 with him on. The offense with him on the floor right now is a 112. It's a 106 for the season. The defense is great. 95 and a 102. And the defense is a 102, and I actually feel like Dante could tighten up a little bit. The pace is up, which is not necessarily um, good or bad. I'm not a big pace guy, but it's interesting to see. The, the feeling with Dante was you put Dante out there, and the pace will increase, and that's exactly what's happening. So the Jazz are playing pretty quickly with Dante on the floor. Here's what's really interesting. With Dante on the floor, we're getting 42% of our shots at the rim in the restricted area. With him off the floor, we get 31%. Huge difference. 42% of our shots at the rim with Dante on the floor. Season number is 32%. 31.4 when he's off. He's driving. He's getting into the paint. He's creating opportunities. Sometimes he's loose to the ball, right? Hasn't shown yet. The turnover rate is lower with Dante on the floor than off the floor, which is pretty cool. The We are getting a few less three-point shots, but a few more corner threes. And we're not shooting the three well with Dante on the floor. That's actually kind of interesting, is that the variable of Dante on the floor from three were a percentage point less with Dante on the floor uh, shooting threes than we were when, when he's off the floor. So that'll equalize. We go to the free throw line a little less. Assists are up. But it, he's having a positive influence. Not just him playing, but his impact on the team. Since the All-Star break, we don't have, and, and maybe this is intuitive, we're 14-5 and five since the All-Star break. We don't have anybody who's negative uh, on the floor. We're only thing we have is we're negative when Donovan Mitchell is off the floor. Since the All-Star break, the only player we're negative when we're positive actually when Rudy's off the floor. This is where Derek favors Royce O'Neal and the bench unit deserves some more credit. The defensive rating with Rudy off the floor is a 97.8. Since the All-Star break. It's pretty awesome. The defensive rating with Rudy on the floor is a 95, which is amazing. Uh, but 97.8 is equally as amazing. And that's what our defensive rating is when Rudy is off the floor. Every single one of our regular players has a defensive rating below 100 since the All-Star break. That is a collective effort of impressiveness. It's really... I tried to dig into this a little bit more today 
the the fact that we are okay defensively with Rudy off the floor is probably the most untalked about story. And it's where there's a value to favors that's hard to equate. You know, in this whole game of trying to figure out do Gobert and Favors work together, this and that. That's that's pretty interesting. Since the All-Star break, and obviously, you know, first 20 games of the season, numbers are always better than All-Star break, but we added Jay Crowder, and so there's, there's some aspects to that. Uh, our offense has been a little bit better with Rudy on the floor. We shoot uh, a lot better, actually. 108.1. And when Rudy's on the bench, we're only a 98.7 offensively. So 10 points per 100 possessions better with Rudy on the floor offensively. But defensively, we're pretty close. 95.0 to 97.8. That's, to me, that that's the huge story. Now, Rudy's impact offensively, again, no one ever talks about that. Defensively, when Rudy's been on the floor since the All-Star break, how is it that we're surviving? Teams are not shooting the three as well. They're shooting 33.6% when Gobert's on the bench. So some people would say that that will equalize out. We do a wonderful job of not allowing the corner three, period. The above the break three, teams are shooting 31.6% with Rudy off the floor, which seems a little low. They do not shoot well in the restricted area. Favors is doing a good job of that. They take more shots there, uh, but they're not do, making those shots. And, and this leads to the second thing about where the Jazz deserve some more credit. The Jazz defense is just money ball fundamentally sound. So opponents against the Jazz are not sh- having terrible shooting games. I think, you know, I, I think we can feel that like if you if you kind of run you you would think that a great defensive team what's happening is that the Jazz are are defending certain areas of the floor incredibly well and then what the numbers people would tell you is that the that those numbers will equalize so at the rim for the season opponents shoot 62 percent the league average is 63 Not a big difference. We're 10th best. Paint non-restricted area. We're the 9th best. Teams are shooting 37.7. Two percentage points less than league average. That's where they're taking a shot they don't really want to take. Rudy impacts it. Mid-range jumpers. 39.8. League average is 40.4. Corner threes. Actually making them. 40.6. League average is 39.3. Above the break three, they're actually making them. 36.2, 35.6 is league average, but pretty close. Okay, so why are we so good defensively? Because we allow the sixth fewest amount of shots in the restricted area. So now we're taking the most productive shot out there. League average is 1.26 points per shot. We're not allowing it. The... Three-point shooting, we're not denying it a huge amount. We're 17th in the league. Teams shoot 34% of their shots from three against us. It's a little higher than we pro- we would probably like to deny the three a little bit more. But specifically what we do is we deny the corner three. 
We allow the eighth fewest amount of corner threes, and of threes taken, we allow the third fewest. So how is it that, that we are so good defensively? We do not allow teams to shoot in the restricted area, and we don't allow them to get corner threes. We're the third best team in the NBA at denying shots in the restricted area or three-point shots. I made a mistake a moment ago. We're the seventh best team, not the 17th best team denying a three. Sorry, I said that wrong. We're the seventh best team, and then we're the fifth best team on the corner three and the fourth best team of those corner three. So so let me, let me back that up just to make sure because I just made a minor mistake. May have been even major. Sixth best team at denying shots in the restricted area. Seventh best team at denying threes. Fifth best team at denying corner threes. Third best overall. So to some extent, our defensive system is preventing shots in the right areas, which means that one of the reasons we're so good defensively, even when Gobert's off the floor, is systematically we're preventing people from shooting in the efficient areas. Does that make sense? I think that's really cool. I'm going to talk to Quinn a little bit about that. I think that's the essence of how, how great a coach Quinn is. Today's show is brought to you in part by the Advocates. Matt at the Advocates has been uh, helping people for 25 years. And they make sure you get good results. They make sure nothing bad happens to you and they treat you well. But what I love about them is the efficiency. So in the 25 years, what Matt has figured out is that all accidents are different. But the process is really the same. And the core reason is because less than 1% of auto cases go to trial and less than 3% go to arbitration. So when you know those two things, you're doing a settlement. How do you get there? He has figured out a 106-step process to make sure that everything happens efficiently. That efficiency means productivity. That means communication with you. That means it's expediting the process. So you call a lawyer. You call the advocates at 801-355-5550. It's 801-355-5550. And within 60 seconds, a lawyer calls you. They get your case. They schedule it. It goes into the system. And now their special teams experts are working the whole time to give you the best results. Lawyers interacting with you. And their experts are working at each step along the way. So what makes the Utah Advocate so special? Give them a call at 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. 801-355-5550. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy, 
has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, Time Machine Tuesday. He goes into the bag of tricks. What year are we getting in the history of the Utah Jazz to look back and remember on this Time Machine Tuesday? 2011-12. Really? Do we have to? Is that a good year? Bad year? I have no game recall. You all know this. This is like a mystery for me every time we do this. I'm calling games by 2011-12. <clears throat> I think we might. this might be the year we sneak into the playoffs, the memo injury. Is that right? Someone out there is like, nope, you're off. 2011-12, the Utah Jazz. It's a lockout year. We go 36 and 30, and it is the playoff. It is we make the playoffs. Memo tears his Achilles in Denver. Is that right? Or do we lose? No, we lost. It. Oh, we, this is year we get annihilated by the Spurs in the playoffs. Oh, that was awful. All right. Let's look. Tabo Cephalosha has been suspended five games for violating the NBA's anti-drug program. Wow. That just came across. Nerlens Noel and the Jazz Tabo Cephalosha have both been suspended five games for violating the NBA's anti-drug program. Oh. Well. That's interesting since Tabo's not playing this year, so that would kick in next year, depending if he's on our roster, if we pick up his option or not. Uh, let's go to April 3rd. We did not play today, but we'd won last night against Portland. 102-97. <clears throat> we were 28-26 and at the time. This was probably a big win for a playoff push. Wow, we really closed that year kind of awesome. On the lockout year, playing a lot of games in a short period of time. And we were 28-27-26 and 20, and finished 36-30. and 30. The win over Portland... 102-97. Portland came in at 25 and 28. We came in at 27 and 26. Paul Millsap had 31 points and 11 rebounds that night. We were in Portland. We trailed by 13 at the end of one. We trailed by three at the half. We outscored him 29-21 in the third. <clears throat> and then uh, one at 102-97. Devin Harris started point guard but only played 13 minutes. C.J. Miles started, but only played seven. Jazz starters were Devin Harris, C.J. Miles, Gordon Hayward, Paul Millsap, Al Jefferson. Favors played 35 minutes. Jefferson played 39. Oh, I think this is the night we finally played Millsap at the three. Jamal Tinsley played 18 minutes. Earl Watson played 17. Ennis Kanter played just 10. Alec Burks went 21 minutes, went two of eight from the field. Um, the Blazer team was Nicholas Batum, Wesley Matthews, LaMarcus Aldridge, Raymond Felton, and Joel Prisbilla. And no bench. J.J. Hickson, Johnny Flynn, Luke Babbitt, Nolan Smith, and a seem to beat. 
Wesley Matthews had 33 that night. LaMarcus had 27. Batum had 16. Wesley was 10 of 12, 5 of 6 and 3. Still even in the score against us. Anything else? Gordon had 20 on 3 of 5 from 3. Devin Harris didn't play much. But Paul Millsap was the story that night, and we must have played Favors, Jefferson, and Millsap all together, slid Hayward to the two, and mix-matched our one that night. Kind of a fun memory on Time Machine Tuesday. That wraps us up. That is Locked on Jazz. Have a great day. Talk to you tonight as the Jazz play the Lakers. Hope everybody's well. By the way, remember LockedOnJazz.net for all of your information as well. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.